0: VA's round-the-clock hotline can put veterans who are homeless in touch with the resources and support they earned through their military service. Call 877-424-3838.
1: Good morning, everyone. I'm Timothy Lawson, your host for This Week at VA. This is episode two of our new podcast. If you haven't heard episode one, head over to soundcloud.com slash DEPT Affairs to listen to our great interview with Marine veteran Haley Carter. This week's episode brings us another devil dog to the show with our featured guest, Francisco Urena. Francisco is Massachusetts Secretary of Veterans Affairs. He served as a Marine security guard and also saw combat with his tank unit. Following the interview, I'll briefly describe a benefit that Francisco found value in and also announce our Veteran of the Day. Before we get to the interview, I want to tell you about VA's digital and online efforts. The digital media engagement team at VA works hard to bring valuable content through several different mediums. You can follow us on Instagram at DEPTVetAffairs for some great images of what's going on with veterans around VA. Our Twitter account, also at Dept Vet Affairs, offers engagement, live tweeting, and veteran news from around the country. You can also follow us at Facebook.com/veteransaffairs, where we post our popular Veteran of the Day, along with other news and updates for the veteran community. Finally, you can find many inspiring articles and videos on our Vantage Point blog at blogs.va.gov. Be sure to connect with us on your favorite social media platform. The feature interview for this episode is with Marine Corps veteran Francisco Urena. Francisco served in the Marine Corps straight out of high school. He was posted in Syria and Kyrgyzstan as a Marine security guard and went on to do a tour in Iraq following those assignments. While in Iraq, he suffered an injury to his face, leaving a piece of shrapnel in his cheek, which is still there today. Francisco will tell us about serving in the military, getting out, and continuing his commitment to veterans through civil service. Enjoy. Uh, okay. On the phone with me today, Francisco Urena, a Marine Corps veteran and currently the Massachusetts Secretary of Veterans Services. Francisco, thank you for taking the time to join me. Oh, thank you so very much. I know you and I have, uh, we've met in the past and we've, uh, we've got to know each other and I thought that you would make a, a really good example on uh, just success coming out of the military. There's there's a lot of great examples out of there, but I thought um, yours is unique in entering public service. Um, but let's start where every veteran's story begins, right? It's that decision uh, to sign the dotted line and join the military. Uh, if, tell me what made you decide to join the military in general, and then why'd you, why'd you decide on the Marine Corps?
0: from an early age, I always had the affinity to join the the service, especially the Marines. I think it was the aspect of seeing my local recruiter in my school, high school, when in there about 10th grade. So I approached the recruiter. He said, son, you're a little too young. But he definitely kept me under his wing, got me involved with the Puli activities. And when I turned 17, I was able to uh, uh, sign up day after high school. i Went to boot camp. We graduated on a Sunday, and Monday morning I was on my way to Paris Island uh, to face the Yellow Footprints. And it was a decision that it was uh, fairly easy for me. I grew up in scouting. I grew up with community activities. I immigrated to the United States when I was four, so it was an aspect of giving back to a country that gave so much to myself and my family. And it was just an easy decision for me to make.
1: You sir, you were. You joined the service in 1998. You were in the service um, when the the September 11 attacks occurred. Um, we just recently recognized the 15th anniversary for that. Um, just briefly tell me sort of the change in atmosphere that you noticed um, between September 10, 2001, to December or to September 12, 2001.
0: Absolutely. So I was in a tank unit. I was with First Tank Battalion in Twenty Nine Palms, California, from ninety eight to thereabouts two thousand August of two thousand and one. I had received orders after requesting to transition out of my tank unit and volunteer for the diplomatic security unit, which is you are very familiar uh with that as a alum of uh of uh, diplomatic security. And so I was with orders in hand when September 11th happened I was in Massachusetts on leave waiting to report to to Quantico, Virginia on October 1st. And so I called obviously th- dealing with a national tragedy such as what we did on September 11th, I, I reached out to my tank unit, to 1st Tank Battalion in Toronto California, and I said, hey, uh, I just noticed, you know, what is the next phase? They said, well, you have orders in hand, so just continue with your orders as dictated, and if anything changes, we'll, we'll let you know. And so our class was the first to report to diplomatic security. So not only did the world change, the military was strategizing for the next phase, but our embassies and our consulates around around the world were now the tip of the spear when it came to uh, public interface and and that place of uh, aspect of a soft target that um, that could become in any uh, given country. And so we were the first class to train Uh, retool our mission, obviously put a lot more emphasis when it came to the aspect of security and and protection of the embassy and personnel and classified information within those uh, compounds. And we were the first class uh, to arrive. I was the first group, myself and two other Marines, were the first ones to arrive in Damascus, Syria, which was our first duty station on December 22nd of 2001. And essentially, it was uh, some trying times, but we definitely were the training that was issued uh, was put to great use.
1: And the, the Diplomatic Security Service that you're talking about is the Marine Security Guard program inside of uh, the Marine Corps. Um, what's really unique about that program is you live in that country for 12 to 18 months, um, which is, you know, a little bit more unique than maybe a deployment um, as you sort of become a resident almost of the area. Um, tell me about how that experience living in both Syria and then Kyrgyzstan right after the September. 11 attacks sort of influenced the way you perceived this national and global crisis.
0: It was uh, interesting times, to say the least. We were in in a country where, uh, at any given time, uh, a state-sponsored demonstration could be held uh, with uh, little to no warning to us, and sometimes these demonstrations could escalate uh, or be allowed to escalate, shall I say. Across from the street from the American embassy at that time was the Iraqi intersection under the Tunisian flag, and there, uh, many a times, would be a rally point for for a lot of the activity that would happen. One of my toughest memories to this day was seeing military-aged males boarding charter buses and getting ready to meet our troops uh, and our coalition troops in Iraq. And all we could do was just send notes, uh, take take reports and send them off to Washington. And myself, being a Hispanic uh, descent male, I was able to walk through that, that crowd and see the smiles on, on, on the guys' faces going uh, to go fight my fellow uh, service members who just 15, 10, 12 months prior, I had just seen uh, my tank unit, which I knew now they were in country, in Iraq uh so, those months later, and so those were, that was a tough memory to to see that, and only to watch the reports, and to then later watch our satellite feeds of of, of international news to see the demise of what that would cause, and really the start of the aspect of uh, infiltrated uh, outsiders coming into uh, Iraq to to fight the war.
1: After after your tour with the Marine Security Guard program, uh, you did go in support of I- Operation uh, Iraqi Freedom and was awarded a Purple Heart. Would you uh, do you mind telling us the story behind that?
0: So after and before that, I also served at the American Embassy in Bishkek, Kyrgyzstan. So we were getting ready to uh, engage the enemy. It was Operation Matador. Um, In 2005, I was in a tank unit. I was the junior tank commander of uh, a tank platoon, and we were engaging the enemy, the aspect of uh, exposed, as I may have to be, being the junior uh, tank commander, ensuring that every target that we engaged uh, was the proper target. And... Several other uh, vehicles, uh, the friendly vehicles, were engaging suspected enemy uh, positions, and uh, there was a vehicle parked right in front of us that we started, began to engage. The vehicle blew up, um, and debris uh, came towards my uh, position. Uh, where I was on, on, exposed on the tank, um, it was 114 degrees outside. At first, I, I felt um, uh, I thought it was just uh, sweat, and when I uh, came realized um, that it was blood. One of my crew members said, "Oh, you're you're definitely bleeding from from the face," and I just thought it was debris that had just hit me and and, and bounced off, but. My crew, I had no uh, intentions of leaving uh, my crew members uh, uh, with a deficit on my tank. So we continued the mission, and it was until later that evening that I was able to then report it to the, the corpsman of the unit, let him know what was happening. So I had some swelling for a couple of weeks, uh, thinking that it was just swelling. And uh, after uh, an x-ray, it turned out that I had, and until this day, I still have an embedded uh, piece of shrapnel on my face from from that day definitely is, is as a memory i mean it's an aspect of of the uh, of that 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 day that that tragic day that that, that we went uh, out of our specific platoon we didn't lose any anybody we brought everybody back from those seven months but we weren't as fortunate with our sister units and our sister platoon of tanks more specifically so it's a memory of some of the guys uh, that didn't have the opportunity uh, to to
1: come back what was what was your favorite thing about The military. What did you enjoy the most,
0: Tim? I would definitely have to say the camaraderie,
1: uh, that the the
0: the common mission of of fellow Americans, all uh, bounded together by this discipline uh, instilled upon us, and the sense of mission the sense of camaraderie, the sense of uh, gun-ho that the Marines bring each and every day. Uh, That's first and foremost what I miss, whether I was in the tank unit or whether I was at a couple of embassies overseas, is that same sense of camaraderie that uh, even Marines, after um, coming home, you have that sense of of rapport with one another, no matter if they served in World War II or just came home last week.
1: What prompted your separation from the Marine Corps?
0: wanted to go to school. Uh, that was really the, the intent. I, I wanted to volunteer for diplomatic security. I thought I was going to uh, have a, a plan that uh, in California. And that was really the, the intent. <clears throat> I wanted to uh, come to school and, 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 and partake of the civilian uh, experience. And it didn't turn out to be that way. I arrived to Lawrence, Massachusetts in May of 2006. Lawrence at that time was underwater. Literally, it was a, the flood of, of May of 06. Of and I started, I, I rode my, I picked up my bike, and I was riding around the, the neighborhood to get to, to know the new uh, AO, if you will. And there I saw uh, many of the local parks flooded, uh there were many uh, uh service tents providing aid to to the locals uh, of the community and i remember somebody from local access television approaching me and asking me if i wanted to help uh interview people that day or to talk and then be able to spread the word. And so it, it seemed that I was a natural because the person that told me to help them just stepped aside and and let, gave me the mic. And for that week I was able to assist uh, the locals of the city of Lawrence uh, being able to translate the message of where to receive uh, aid, uh, where to receive uh, services uh, for their damages of their property, uh, the aspect of community services such as the YMCA and many other nonprofits that were in, in, engaged that day and then the aspect of how to replace and 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 continue the normalcy of life uh, however you will and from there, I got to learn of the very unique programs that we have here in Massachusetts, which is our veteran service officer in every city and town. And in the city of Lawrence, I learned that there was a deficit in that office. The active veteran service officer uh had some uh, personal challenges of, him, of his own and wasn't able to be in the office. And I knew that from what I was told, that some uh, people were going uh without services. And so I was I asked to volunteer, and for six months, um, simultaneously, I I enrolled in school in Massachusetts, which became my new plan to go to uh, night school um, through the Northern Essex Community College and later University of Massachusetts, and I started um, helping. Six months later, I, I was offered the job, and two months after receiving being on the job, I now was told that a young sergeant in the Army, Sergeant Alex Jimenez, was captured in Iraq. And the family, being from Lawrence, being from my hometown where I was living, now were the subject of building awareness to the aspect of that family. They they themselves um, um, weren't. English was not their first language, and so I became the spokesperson as well for that family. So for 14 months until the, the very end when we heard news uh, from the Department of Defense that the remains of Alex Jimenez and Byron Fowdy from Michigan were found in a mass grave, uh, we kept hope, and we kept the story and, and, and the families and the community uh, as connected as possible. I. Uh, Four years later, I completed my degree from the U- University of Massachusetts in Lowell. And I was asked by Mayor Tom Menino of Boston to come interview for the city's commissioner position, which is the largest, uh, office of veteran services in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. And I was the most uh, prepared candidate per se. And I was offered the job and where I served Mayor Menino for, uh, and Marty Walsh for f- about four years. Before I came to the state to represent the Commonwealth of Massachusetts as the state secretary with Governor Baker,
1: but you said you came more uh, the most prepared. Other than other than being a veteran and being able to empathize with those needs, what do you think gave you the leg up? And especially um, when reflecting on maybe what you've gotten out of your time in the service,
0: definitely had a, a great a- aspect of, of outreach. I knew the job by then; it was four years later. So the aspect of starting from an office that was in disarray and, and really turned it around, where we were serving 14 people then to 110 people uh, at one at any given month, were receiving financial assistance from from the city, which is part of the, the compensation. Uh, uh, program that we have for veterans and families in Massachusetts. So, an aspect of turning around, building and projecting budgets, accounting for the financial assistance, but most and, and foremost, building the trust in the community because that sometimes was the challenge. I, I tell you, it's not the challenge for young veterans trying to get into this type of uh, public service now, but then it was an interesting aspect. Uh, there was there was some opposition of seeing a 25 year old veteran. Helping 90, 80 year olds, 70 year olds in the community, and it wasn't from veterans themselves. It was just from the, our civilian counterparts who would say, "How you know, well, this person won't won't get along with veterans." But any any veteran knows that we have that sense of camaraderie and building trust. And so all the goodwill that, that was that was set. Also uh, in in that year in 2008, I was awarded the uh, state. Um, has an award for the top service officer of the year, and I was uh, fortunate enough to be the recipient of that, um, presented then by uh, our former state uh, secretary, Thomas Kelly.
1: You mentioned that you graduated from University of Massachusetts in Lowell. Uh, did you use your GI Bill for that one? Yes, I definitely did. And it was part of the old GI Bill, as
0: you remember. Uh, yeah, it, the Mon- it, Montgomery. Correct. Absolutely. And it wasn't until my my senior year that the transition was made into the new GI Bill, where then it actually had the, the cost of living. So i don't know how life would have been any much different, but the aspect of having to work I think it was there was no options then under the Montgomery g i bill, which gives a lot of more flexibility to our veterans today to use the post nine eleven benefits and have that sense of peace of mind of solely focusing on our education and the aspect of academia in general
1: the montgomery gi bill to so many of the recent veterans of like the past decade or so to us it's, it's that it's that uh it's the gi bill that we all switched from right that's all we really know about it is that it's the one that we decided that we opted not to have so we could have the uh, post 9-11 um right. the post 9-11 is possibly one of the best products the united states government has ever given any of its citizens
0: i would agree with you and also uh, part of the other benefits that I was able to use. Um, but one of my first benefits of walking in was the dental benefits. I, when I transitioned, I was in a unit called Mojave Viper. We were training uh, troops to 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 go into Iraq at about a small makeshift village that was created in in the desert. And so I never had the opportunity to get my final dental. And so my first experience of the VA in Boston was a, 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 the whole. Treatment that they gave me, of uh, coming in and, and, and participating in the dental clinic in Boston, and it was—I tell you—that was a very eye-opening experience because it was an opportunity to uh, to engage with a new system that outside of that Navy. Uh, clinic that we had in Toyon Palms uh, it was totally different and I was so impressed in the attention to detail that they offered and the quality of service that they provided then and they continue to provide me as a, as as a as a member of uh, an active uh, part of the VA healthcare system
1: as you told uh, Secretary McDonald at the MVAC meeting in Boston you're a client of VA <laughs> Correct. um what else? Um, you're getting your healthcare through there. Any other benefit? Have you used the home loan? I sure
0: did. I, I participated with the home buyers uh, program and the home home loan guarantee and that too was a smooth process I had I was fortunate enough to have a realtor who understood the the value of the GI bill and the caveats of different requirements and so it was another benefit that we as veterans have and sometimes go unutilized and so I was very fortunate to to be able to participate with that as well but again and it was one of these benefits that all of us earn and it's just a matter of getting it to place the good use.
1: So the home, the home loan obviously, you know, you have help with uh, a real estate agent and, and um, a mortgage company and any, anybody else that's connected in real estate are pretty familiar with VA loans. But with the healthcare system, with the disability claims, the, the education benefits, some veterans find those uh, processes difficult to navigate. In your experience, which one of those products was the most difficult for you to get through?
0: I had good advocates, Tim, and I think that's what made the difference, uh, enabled to, to engage all those systems. I had somebody there to guide me. And once again, I think that's where the, the community that we have here in Massachusetts varies from any other given state because we have these dedicated individuals who, when I came home, while I didn't have a veteran service officer in my town, I was able to go to the neighboring town. And to this day, people that remain as a mentor were the ones that guided me because they had, and I'm talking about Vietnam era veterans who had obviously another layer of challenges of, of returning and integrating, but also the aspect of participating in some of these programs pointing me where to go and and the right people to see to be able to to be successful.
1: San Francisco, this is a nationwide, possibly global-wide listen podcast. Uh, It's new, so we're unsure yet, but um, I'm sure plenty of my audience members are in Massachusetts. If they're listening to this and they're like, oh man, I need to get, you know, I need to be a part of this system, I need to inquire with someone nearby, for the veterans of Massachusetts, what's the best way for them to take advantage of the services that your office and their local office provides?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So one, let me thank all of those who have served and those that continue to serve who may be listening. And I welcome all of our veterans uh, who are coming to Massachusetts and their families to take a look at our website, mathvetsadvisor.org massvetadvisor.org and it is uh, a system that we have developed which has every unit of service available to our veterans including benefits and services available from uh, our federal partners such as the va are listed there currently we have about 443 units of services listed Uh, but more important point it is the very first uh, engagement on that website it is where you type your zip code or your cities or towns name and you're able to know where your local veteran service officer is and be able to connect with him or her uh, to be able to start the transition at any given phase of your life whether you're leaving the service today of you've been in our community or you're moving into the Commonwealth of Massachusetts to be able to be part of this uh, great community of veterans and veteran families
1: Francisco, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for your time, for talking to us about your military experience, your continued service in Massachusetts, your insight to your experience with the Department of Veteran Affairs, and of course, thank you, ultimately, for your service to our country.
0: Tim, thank you very much, and you as a veteran who have served and continue to serve our veterans, thank you. It is an honor uh, to be part of your podcast uh, today. And once again, to all those who have served, uh, thank you, especially to our military families who have sacrificed. I was a gunner's mate, Tonkin golf. Logistics,
1: Ramstein. Medic, Kandahar.
0: As a veteran, it doesn't matter when or where you served. Infantry, Camp Pendleton. Or what you did. The VA has benefits that may be useful to you right now. See what VA can do for you. To learn what benefits you may be eligible for, visit www.va.gov. That's (music) www.va.gov.
1: Francisco mentioned the value of getting dental work provided by VA, and dental is a benefit that is often asked about. VA offers comprehensive dental care benefits to certain qualifying veterans. In addition, veterans enrolled in VA health care may purchase dental insurance at a reduced cost through the VA dental insurance program. Eligibility and benefits for veteran dental care are limited by law. Go to va.gov dental for information regarding dental benefits or explore.va.gov to begin an online application for VA health If you just got out of the service, you may even be entitled to a free dental exam. Let's finish by honoring Army veteran Jack Shannon as Veteran of the Day. Jack was one of 12 children in his family when he enlisted in 1951. He was selected for the Army Airborne Corps and deployed to Japan and Korea. Jack recalled a training exercise where a group of men worked to dislodge a jeep from the back of a cargo plane to airdrop it onto a target. The pallet was suddenly freed, and both Jack and the Jeep were carried out the back of the plane. Still holding on to the vehicle, he managed to pull himself into the driver's seat and held on tight for a safe, hard landing. Jack passed away in 2014, and we honor his service. For Jack's full write-up and photos, go to blogs.va.gov. That does it for Episode 2. I want to thank you all for listening. I know there are a lot of options out there for entertainment, so I appreciate you spending your time here with me. If you have any feedback or questions you'd like to have answered on the show, please tweet them to us using hashtag VAPodcast or email us at newmedia@va.gov. Be sure to visit facebook.com slash Veterans Affairs for more stories from our community. I'm Timothy Glosson, signing off.